Testing. Oh. Testing. Oh, stop. One, two, three. Just right in my ears. Mmm. <laughs> if you like your microphone, you can keep it. <laughs> Well, you have a whole thing against ghosts. You don't like ghosts. You think there's some kind of inconsistency in the uh, lore. Yeah, ghost lore definitely has some inconsistencies. Oh, okay. So you... It's not that you dislike ghosts. It's that you, you have problems with ghost lore. I have a problem. Yeah, well, I have, yeah, more than one. I mean, first of all, it's unclear to me whether or not ghosts actually, ghosts actually kill you. I don't think anyone's saying they have to, to be ghosts. It seems like they, they are mostly trying to scare you out of the house or something like that. But the, the, the simple fact that they're not trying to kill you makes them less intimidating to me. Because, what, they're going to you know throw a knife at the wall. It's going to get stuck in the wall right in front of my nose. It's not that... I, I, you they know, can ruin unless your they're life. actually trying to kill me, I'm not... And then what? Then I get stuck as a ghost with them in the same house. and uh, So you don't think they, like, move on? Because isn't that their goal to, like... They, they oh, achieve right. the goal They're, and then they move on. Well, to, see, that part's unclear to me, too. So they, it, they're they sort of in purgatory, but then they, what, do they go to heaven or, what, or well, hell? Well, it depends on if they're a good ghost or a bad ghost. Oh, I see. Or wait, does, I wonder if their activities whilst a ghost <laughs> does affects that, their right. determination. Right. If they're extremely mean ghosts, do they go to hell, even if they were total saints in their mortal lives? Well, no, when they're ghosts, they're just making up ground. It's like negative numbers. You know, they're just trying to get to zero, which is death, right? Like, everything that happened on the positive end of the spectrum while they were alive is what's determining heaven or hell, right? Yeah. Their ghost thing is, like, whatever. They're just trying to make up some ground. Make up, make up some ground? Like I mean, they're, they're trying to, like, get to a neutral point. Everything has to be resolved. Yeah, okay. But so, zero. So you're saying that there are ghosts who then go to heaven and some that then go to hell? Uh, I think they're all trying to just be, well, hmm. I mean, they, you know, here's another issue, which is that they, so they, they can, they can appear to be walking on the ground, but they can also go through the ground in theory. Sure. And apparently they can can throw knives and shit. Right. Uh, They can go, can they go through the mantle, the crust, the core? How many layers of the earth can they go through? Can they come out the other side? Are they heat resistant? Uh... A lot of questions. Well, can they? How fast can they go? Also, can they go faster than people? Well, there's an yeah. There's the yeah, issue of locomotion. Question. Like, do they float above the ground? Are they walking? Because some of them apparently drag chains. You know, all that. The, tra- yeah. the chain dragging is is it's is interesting. Like, I mean, I think the chain dragging is like the biggest weakness in the ghost theory. Imagine dying with chains. Yeah, it makes no sense. And like, right, having to yeah, it's bullshit. I mean, I you know, sorry, but it's bullshit. Ghosts are canceled. <laughs> ghosts are canceled. Also, why are most ghosts like wailing white ladies in long flowing Victorian well, dresses? Except for the racist Native American ghost, oh, ghost right, myth. Right, right. Which, but you know, that's interesting because you never see the ghosts depicted in movies that reference that myth. It's usually, oh, this school was built on an ancient Native burial ground and then. You don't see the fucking ghosts, though. You don't see the ghosts. That's true. It's ghost erasure. Because they're native ghosts. Wait, what are you talking? I have no idea what you're talking You've about. You've never heard of the the whole... That, I mean, that's a whole... Well, it's I know the ancient burial... The, right, like, ancient burial... Native American burial ground. Uh, you know, the school was built on it, so it's right. cursed or something. We're saying that you never actually end up seeing the Native American ghost in that particular uh, in that particular version of the of ghost oh. lore. 
So you want like, you want like a stereotypical depiction. Well, no, I don't want stereotypical depiction. <laughs> I'm just saying that they don't even bother giving you. This just has to any be better. Kind of ghost representation. As ghost well, representation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, just sticking to the issues. <laughs> Welcome to Trying to Feel Okay, the the podcast that's about all the things that make us feel bad and how we're trying to feel okay. Ghosts. Uh, ghosts either. Well, ghosts do not make us. All right. I am Justin Kroll. <laughs> I'm the host of this here pod, and uh, we got a special one. We got two ding dongs with us today. We have uh, my buddy Laura Garavolia, who whoop, she she has something to say. Nope. I'm gonna I'm gonna toss it to you, Laura. What do you have to say? <laughs> uh, we're talking about a girl who uh, has nothing to say at this. We're talking time. about a girl who has nothing to say at this time. Uh, Laura is a art conservationist. I am a conservation technician. I did not go to school for it, so eh. I. Yes. Uh, I can't call myself a conservator. Okay. And she's also, I've been, oh, it's written on the card that she's a polyglot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely a polyglot. Uh, <laughs> you want to say something for us in another language, please? No. In another language? No, gracias. <laughs> we nailed it. We are, yeah. For your listeners, we're actually not stoned right now. We're dead sober. <laughs> this is really just how we talk. And that voice is Armand Cole, who is a filmmaker and... Professional meatball. Professional meatball. Well, I mean, not like semi-professional meatball. Yeah, semi-pro. I'm working on it. Thanks for, thanks for coming on the pod, guys. Oh, anytime. <laughs> yeah, anytime, really. <laughs> uh, they waited for me to shower because I was ambushed with a podcast recording session when I got home from work. Okay, so, so now we're moving on to the real portion of this interview, which is uh, Laura's involvement with ACORN, uh, the uh, <laughs> voter registration scam. I don't okay. have my press release prepared for... We, we've got her. We've been t- I've been thinking about Acorn a lot lately, and I feel like it's come up because it was like such a different time. And I don't know a single person who knows what Acorn supposedly did right. wrong. Like it was a disaster, but I, I, think, I don't know yeah, it was, exactly. They, they what. registered voters, <laughs> right, of color. I remember thinking right. that like, oh, these people are being slandered for basically nothing, except maybe they didn't cross an eye or dot a t. Ooh. Dad and I across the team. <laughs> I just figured I didn't understand what was going on because I didn't yeah. understand why it was such a big deal. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. Racist. Yeah, yeah. And then all of their work was just like gone in an instant. I think we're gonna, I think I'm going to come out hard on the pro acorn stance on this podcast. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Do they still exist? I don't, I know. I think they disbanded as a result of that. Okay. Yeah. Whatever happened to the Swiss, Swift boat, boat Veterans for uh, Truth or whatever? The anti-carry thing? What, what was that that they said Kerry didn't actually fight or something like that? It was John Kerry, right? His anti-Kerry? This is going to yeah, be Yeah, it a was an m- anti-John Kerry thing, but I thought it was that he, like, claimed that he was on a swift boat and he wasn't or right. something. Right, but I think he was. He was? I think that was faked. I think they, like, paid off a bunch of veterans to say he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I read about... I read something about re- that recently. <laughs> but I was. Yeah. <laughs> This is going to be, yeah, this episode is exclusively going to be about middle 2000s memes right, and, yeah. uh, and uh, right-wing attack campaigns. Did we have era. memes back then? Were there memes? Ooh. I mean, as a, I think they as, a, as a currently enlisted soldier in the posting wars, I'm on. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think, well, how old is Tub Girl? <laughs> oh, no, Tub Girl is like Tub 2005 Girl. or 6, I feel is like. That yeah. so or is that? I would say it's a meme. No, <laughs> I, um, I mean, I feel like things like... Rotten.com had oh. to exist before things like, well, I don't know. What's the timeline? When was 4chan? And what is 4chan's relationship to, like, 
all of those other messaging boards that kind of was 4chan later i don't know i should i heard something about this recently because the um the founder of 4chan is now like battling a lot of these right-wing um moot that guy is that his name i think it was moot Right? Meat? Moot? Moot, I thought. Moot. Yeah, no, I mean, 4chan existed when I was in high school. I know that. Um, but <laughs> How do you know that? Well, yeah, I was a t- you know, typical uh, edgelord. 4chan edgelord, uh, pre-incel, you know. Pre-incel. Just in the incubation chamber. <laughs> Found Pre- on B. Sl- yeah. Slash B? Do you, do you say B or slash B? I, I say I think B slur. S- yeah, right. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> they were called B-tards. I never heard that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Is it because I'm slightly older? Because I didn't. I don't know. Well, like significantly older. Were... Okay, <laughs> all right, relax. <laughs> Jesus, you probably had a social life. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> I was playing a lot of. Who oh, boy? I don't know if I want to get it. Yeah, sure. I was playing a lot of Starcraft. <laughs> oh really? yeah. I'm one of those embarrassing people who played a lot of those things but never got good at them. Yeah. Oh, me so, too. Hmm. I played lots of Counter Strike and I was horrible at it. Yeah, it's a shame. Probably right? gave me a complex. Of some kind. Yeah, that's why you're such a, an aggressive poster. Dude. Right. Yeah, I'm just making up for all the times I got pwned. Right. <laughs> We're not gonna. I don't want to call out the account, but Armand Armand writes. Don't for, dox me, bro. He writes for a prominent leftist Twitter account. Yes. <laughs> right. He's on the cusp of a hundred followers. The, We're hoping you yeah. can get there. Yeah, but you broke. Did you break sixteen hundred likes on yeah, that tweet? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Damn. <laughs> he knows exactly the, what the number well, is. Uh, you know. I was showing Suzanne the other day. I was <laughs> like, look how good he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> My current claim to fame. Uh, Although it's An anonymous it's Twitter account. Yeah. yeah. You're anonymous. Yeah. Only, only true heads know the... Uh, yeah. The Twitter account. I mean, literally. True, true heads. You mean my friends? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> true Armand heads slash my friends. <laughs> and so yeah. the uh, this Twitter account actually started as like a group project. So the four, we have four right. people sharing the password, but only one actual poster triumphed, and uh, we're in we're in his presence today. Yes, in the in the uh, social media wars, he wrestled control from there. I you know I kind of wonder if. If the password still works, I'm curious. <laughs> oh, it out. does. I haven't changed it. It does. I, I get so the. So you're, uh, liable, you're all liable for everything that that comes out of that account. Okay, hold on. <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> all right. Well, that's that's a, that's a decent segue into. Um, so I, I wanted to do this podcast with Armand and Laura this week because uh, we've been talking a lot about the upcoming uh, Iowa caucus for the Democratic Party nomination, and um, just it's been. Personally, for me, it's been pretty stressful um, watching the the good candidate Bernie get you know slandered and just like shouted out for dumb things like all the whole Bernie bro thing and all that stuff. This is this is one of the last moments um, that we can check in before the the primaries really uh, take off. And um, I just wanted to see how everybody's feeling about that. So we're gonna start with. Um, I'm going to ask Armand what his worst feeling of the week was. Well, I mean... Hold up. Okay. The way that the pod works is, now uh-huh. I do a little, little VO-style, you know, announcer voice. So I go, Armand's worst feeling of the week. You know, my worst feeling... Of the, I don't know if it was Laura's worst feeling of the week, but um, uh, we have been uh, text banking for the uh, Bernie campaign, and uh, uh, I Laura got some kind of a response... Uh, Am I allowed to say this? Uh, uh, am I allowed to uh, specifically talk about responses you got? 
Yeah, I don't see why not. Well, somebody had somebody wished I don't that, know what you're, oh. that <laughs> Bernie would have another heart attack yeah. uh, before uh, the uh, convention, and so that you know that made me feel pretty awful, um, yeah. just because it was a reminder in all of the hope and sort of um, uh, inspirational activism that's going on in this primary season. Uh, just the fact that there are still people out there wishing death upon Bernie Sanders. I mean, you know, forgetting his politics, that, that sort of is, it just brings you down to earth. You know, it doesn't, doesn't totally, uh, black pill me about the future of humanity, but (laughs) it's a reminder that people like that exist. So, uh, that's, uh, pretty uh, disheartening. Yeah, yeah, I call that not good. <laughs> I mean, I also wonder if it would have happened if I'd been on the phone. You know, like, I think it's easy oh, to, like, get a text that, like, rattles you if you're not, you know, down and, and send something off. I mean, I, I do get a lot of, like, negative messages. And even from, like, Trump voters being, you know, just, you know, no, like, get on the MAGA train. One guy, like, offered to buy me a beer if I'd vote for, vote for Trump. Um, and, you know, that kind of stuff is still, like for the campaign, I think useful information, they're doing a lot of like demographic, just like, I mean, they're just trying to like understand where people are at in these like various like targeted campaigns that they have. So it's been interesting to get involved in that level, but it's, um, yeah, I don't know. Like people are going to lash out when they're, when they feel angry. And I think that it's important to like, remember to like keep your eye on the ball. Cause those people are always going to, yeah, and then there was also the person who there. mentioned uh, dri- driving a truck into Bernie Sanders or something um, that was a little bit scary. Because I think what's going to happen is if if Bernie really is the nominee, uh, which is looking increasingly likely, then um, the right is going to activate and mobilize the far right, the militant right, all these militias and so forth. They're going to activate in a way that uh, they haven't probably since... Uh, Bill Clinton's administration, although it will be worse because he is an actual socialist. This is like their worst fear. It's like DEFCON 5. We have mm. a socialist knocking at the the door of the presidency. I mean, they've been preparing for, I mean, there's the Turner Diaries, you know, it's like they've been preparing for this for g- generations. Um, so that, that would not be good. I think Bernie's sort of aware of this, or at least the people around him are. I mean, I don't know. They're so focused on the primary right now that it's it's kind of, I don't think many of them are thinking about actually going up against the right and, and how the far right would respond to uh, uh, Bernie, you know, defeating Trump. But um, it's, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he, when Bernie's been asked about um, white supremacists and, and the far right, I mean, he just sort of, I mean, his answer is tip, sort of typical Bernie, which is that he's going to bring people together of all classes and races and you know we're going to defeat this together and and i don't know i mean um so yeah thinking about some of that stuff does uh bum me out okay that's actually a good segue into your worst case scenario armand's worst case scenario you think about something that i hadn't really think thought about which is how the far right will respond to this and whether or not we will be in a more dangerous society as a result of Bernie winning, if he wins. You know, I mean, it's interesting. He's, he's also Jewish. So, I mean, this is like, again, just another thing for the far right to, to fixate on. Um, so I don't know. I mean, um, I, I, I sincerely hope that, um, you know, we don't see any violence uh, from these uh, alt-right groups. But, I mean... 
they've been I mean, the, the one thing that Trump has done is really sort of, yeah, activate a lot of them and mobilize them in the way that in the way that they haven't been in in a long time. Um, I mean, and there's more I think there's more and I'm not an expert on the far right or anything, but I think there's more of these groups now. And, and you know, in the, again, in the 90s, Oklahoma City bombing and so forth, that was the militia movement specifically. They were uh, sort of, I mean, uh, you know, uh, frustrated with uh, the Clinton administration, which is really funny to think about now because he wasn't exactly uh, uh, that. I mean, he ended up being the president who cut welfare, right? So, um, and actually abolished a major part of the social, Roosevelt Social Security platform. So I'm not. It, it's kind of it's just bizarre thinking about how angry they were right. about Bill Clinton. But anyway, I mean. Yeah. Um, boy, I, I don't know. I mean, the Bill Clinton to Obama to potentially Bernie Sanders thing is like a big deal because because I think that and I guess Obama was slightly to the left of Bill Clinton. Um, yeah. And, and, the, some of the, and the, you know, the militia movement grew under Obama. But, you know, some people were kind of hoping that uh, I know that there were uh, uh, people talking about the possibility that Trump being elected would actually cause some of these groups to uh, disappear and uh, lay down their arms because they kind of... There's nothing to fight against. Nothing to fight against. I mean, this, you know... They you thought they had they their guy. They seized the right. state. They had their guy. Their, their what do they call him? The, um, daddy. Daddy, right. They had their daddy. <laughs> oh. um, finally win and vanquish, vanquish all the leftists. <laughs> no, I think it's daddy. You right? think it's daddy? I, might, okay. I think it might be daddy. That's what they say. Well, it's the god yeah. emperor, too. I think they call him the god yes. emperor. Oh, I thought that it was the Cheeto in chief. Ah, uh, mm. yes. Mango Mussolini. Mango Mussolini. Mango Mussolini. Um, <laughs> uh, Mussolini, like the granola. Muesli. Mus- oh, I was thinking like Mucinex. Mucinexolini. Yeah, none of this. Mm. None of this what? In, this is political. This is this, this is, is practice. Politics, praxis, yeah. not practice. It's definitely not praxis. <laughs> I think this is practice. <laughs> you think it's Fuck, practice? I keep saying practice. Damn it. <laughs> I think we, what were you saying about daddy? Uh, <laughs> Tell us more about daddy, Armand. I don't know. I mean, I just uh, I, I I just hope that the far right doesn't go, you know, continue or d- I hope that there aren't any more Charlottesville's if Bernie is elected president of the United States. I mean, if that actually happens and, and their worst nightmare actually happens, I suspect that there's going to be a lot of fascist, neo-fascist, all-right activity and, and hopefully not violence. But it is a, you know, you're, you're asking about worst case scenarios. And I do think that that's something that I, I haven't thought about until um, doing this interview. But oh, as shit. long as you're asking, as long <laughs> as you're asking me, I'm sitting here thinking like, well, I mean, you know, he's got a real shot and Trump will probably lose to whoever the Democratic nominee is. And I think that uh, this is a slightly different approach this week. Um, but the plan, honestly, like on a larger scale, the plan is Bernie Sanders because the, pl- the, the plan is a different style of pod of uh, fuck. The different style of politics. One a different style of podcast. A, di- is a, different style of a new podcast <laughs> is how we're going to solve this. Yeah. Um, no, it's just, it's just like a matter of, of, you know, changing the the party structures so that like at least the left is representative of you know the people and actually trying to help people as opposed to what the Democratic Party's been doing for so many years, yeah. which is not you know which is looking out for really a small subset of people and then trying to sell everybody else on that. Yeah, I mean, I think social democratic programs are a good kind of inoculation against uh, 
fascism and, and far right activity. I mean, if people are doing okay, it's harder to make this, the case, uh, you know, that uh, immigrants are destroying the country. And, you know, if people are overall able to uh, spend money, go out, have disposable income, etc., it's, it's a tougher case to make, which is part of the reason that when the uh, when centrist Twitter descended on Bernie for uh, his his comments in that um, interview where he was talking about um, refresh my memory exactly, which uh, Laura do you the New York the Times interview where he was talking about um, like class being related to race. Right. I mean, it's all like he, it's an easy yeah. punching bag for people to like just. You know, like that you can re- leverage, you can you can call up racism every time that you want to find an easy scapegoat for people to like kind of channel their their anxieties about not being able to pay for the health care, the like the drugs that they need or whatever it is. You know, yeah, like, I was trying it's to remember just, it's just spe- an easy out. specifically the wording he used. But the but the bottom line is that, yes, the idea that class and race are related, uh, really infuriated a lot of people. Um, which, which is it, not a controversial claim. I feel like no. if anybody else had said said that, there would, like, I don't understand how, yeah, I, they, I, I don't understand how you could so willfully, like, misrepresent They want what us to, to spend more time thinking about individual, the racism that individual people espouse. Than, than about class. And I, I think that's what it comes down to. They want us to condemn individuals. Yeah, hearts and minds. Like, yeah. Well, it's personal responsibility politics sure. applied to um, structural and systemic issues. Which is a great way of, of doing nothing. You know, it's, it's, it's a way of like kind of hiding behind shitty policies and being like, okay, well, people just, other people just need to do better. You know, you're always just expanding the circle of people who get it and, like, things are getting better and better and better and, like, all of these people just still need to work on it. And then, like, in the meantime, nobody actually gets helped. And yep. it's just, like, this kind of moral righteousness that doesn't actually right. produce results for anybody and alienates other people who yeah. maybe don't feel that strongly about it to begin with and could be, like, easily seen, like, made to understand some of these like salient issues but instead it's just like turned into this polarizing like nothing yeah it's yeah it's incredibly frustrating it's it's like when people talk about waste in government programs like welfare and and they say there is a certain number of of people who will take advantage or defraud the system yeah which they they use that as a way to delegitimize the entire program. Like, oh, so that not, doesn't work then, because because <laughs> somebody's buying cigarettes, like, right? <laughs> it's simply it's it's just not how it works. Like just being like any anything that has a problem is entirely bad. Which like first of all, I mean clearly programs like like you know WIC and the other the other programs like that are actually extremely efficient. But not yeah. that it should even fucking matter in terms of whether or not they're moral. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like. But they they obsess over any fault to to delegitimize the entire project. There's no neutral state of like political organization, you know. Like you kind of have to pick how you want resources to be distributed. And the system that we have now, like you can't just point at like the safety nets, like the paltry safety nets that people have, and like pick and choose like examples where desperate people are doing things for relief or comfort, you know, like any, anything like it's not relevant. 
Yeah, it's not relevant. That's exactly Go it. buy your fucking cigarettes if, like, right. a cigarette is the only thing that you enjoy on the way to, like, you know, looking yeah. for... I, like, I don't care. That's just typical, that's not... typical means testing. I, yeah. I do not care. That's exactly what it comes <laughs> right. to. Right. I mean, this is, this is the thing is that you can't have it both ways. You can't, on the one hand, say we want working class people to vote for us, and then um, w- when you... You know, uh, accept the endorsement of somebody who isn't that informed about a lot of issues, who, uh, you know, whose listeners, uh, uh, you know, many of uh, Rogan's listeners are are blue collar, just kind of politically uninformed guys. And, you know, you know, it's 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 interesting to me that um, there's so many commentators who are, who are coming out and saying, you know, look, uh, yeah, Bernie should reject this endorsement, but they're not also talking about the fa- the simple fact that you know the electorate in general are not uh, sort of highly educated coastal uh, media personalities who know how to talk about a lot of these issues. I mean, trans issues in general are fairly new. Um, I mean, in, you know, in Obama the and, discourse, at least, yeah, in yeah. the public discourse. Uh, I mean, Obama and uh, Clinton, uh, uh, both against gay, both marriage. against gay marriage until relatively recently. I mean, I, I just so I think you know, right? The idea is we want blue collar folks to vote for us. We want the heartland to vote for us, et cetera. But they better be very informed about how to talk about all of these issues and uh, say things uh, in the way that uh, we uh, coastal media types. Uh, talk about them otherwise uh, we reject their their support I mean I think it's it, yeah you, it's just ridiculous I just don't get how like we can all be in agreement that we live in like a sexist transphobic racist society and then be surprised when like people are saying racist sexist and <laughs> transphobic things it's like it's it's one thing and again like I've talked about this before um, but like it's it's one thing if like Bernie was cater like was pandering like okay I think a lot of mainstream Democrats have this idea of of politics as something that like you you have to like say the right things you have to signal to various groups to get them on your side and then they're like oh you're saying the right things like you're you're gonna be there for me like I feel accepted by your uh, like you know your vision of the world or whatever it's not in, in terms of concrete policies sometimes it's just like you know like an I hear you kind of thing. It, it feels like a very, very superficial thing, um, especially in the last couple of years as like, a, like the left has been more salient. But like these contrasts, I think, has, have just become more clear with people like, like with this whole thing with Joe Rogan. It seemed like people thought that Bernie was somehow like caving to Joe Rogan and not the other right. way around. Exactly. Yeah. Like, who like he's expanding his base he like Joe Rogan has a huge platform all of the other democratic candidates would be thrilled to right. be on his podcast and thrilled for an endorsement and this wouldn't be an issue of like oh my god i can't believe you know Joe Rogan like is somebody that you want on your side it's like like Joe Rogan is going to change because of this endorsement because he's going to be exposed to different things. He in turn is going to expose his audience to other things. Like he, he was receptive to Bernie's message when he went on, when, when Bernie went on his show and that is showing some growth. And, and it's something that like should inspire people to be like, Oh, like this is a message that can be expanded. Like that's the whole point. The politics are not a fucking game. And like, if you're like, politics are about winning more votes in order to have power. Yeah. And so it's not 
Like this whole thing about like, do I want your vote or not? Joe Biden running around, you know, telling anybody who disagrees with him, go vote for Trump. Like (laughs) it's not fucking about that. It is about building power in order to make important change in the country. And if you if you obsess about it in any other way, it doesn't make sense. I mean, it'd be different if if Rogan's entire M.O. was an anti-LGBTQ activist or something. But nobody is saying that. Nobody's claiming it. I mean, it's it's not like that Crowder guy who's right. Exactly. An actual asshole. But if you I I think if you thought like that, you wouldn't endorse Bernie because Bernie does not represent that type of prejudice and discrimination and bigotry. I mean, it's just not his campaign. So. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, like I, I mean, I have, I mean, I have very little respect for Joe Rogan. Like, I mean, the the few episodes of the podcast that I listened to, like, I put myself through that Elon oh, Musk interview, Elon which is one of the worst yeah. things I've ever heard. I haven't listened to his. Oh episode. God, he's just like he's just like like fawning over him, and he keeps asking yeah, these yeah. like really obsequious questions, and like, I don't know, like it was not not a good look, but and you know all the terrible stuff, all the like transphobic stuff he said is like not. You know, I'm not interested in him. I'm but gonna like, come out and say that it's bad. Those things he said are bad. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, they I know are. You guys disagree with me bad. on that, but they're bad. They're they're <laughs> extremely bad. Yes. Um, but let's. I mean, we'll take a vote. Like, yeah, we'll take a vote. <laughs> and it's like, like what other way? Do you, is the preference that Bernie compromises on something like well, like I Elizabeth mean, Warren did with Medicare for all? Like, do you want him to compromise on his positions to get votes from? different people like what is the goal there i mean i I, you know the hope is that some of rogan's listeners will start to look into bernie and then also from bernie look into some of the organizations that back bernie i don't know you know if if um uh many of rogan's listeners have have ever even heard about you know dsa or, or these types of groups and i feel like once you once you are welcomed into sort of this center left to left family, you know, you start to be exposed to certain things like, uh, you know, um, LGBTQ activism and, uh, pe- you know, hear arguments you haven't heard before, meet people you haven't been, you, you, you otherwise would never have met and, 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 and learn about ideas that, that you never would have been exposed to before. And, and be exposed to criticisms of the left by other leftists right. as opposed to, like, criticisms of the left by people on the right who, like... Right. <laughs> Although, honestly, stay off of Slack. There's no, yeah, no benefit to arguing no. with your fellow leftists That's on right. Slack. There's, it's just, just nothing that is happening there, honestly. Mm-hmm. Ba- basically, I mean... You know, also only talk to leftists. The oh, be careful with the Maoists yeah. and the tankies. No, no Maoists um, are fine. It's the Trotskyites who are really the problem. Oh. Anyway, we can... <laughs> we'll cut that. No, that's, that's staying in. Yeah, okay. That's what I told All you. Right. I told you we don't cut it's shit on this It's just an anti-Trotsky podcast. Uh, podcast. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah. He's really going for... Oh, there we go. We got, we got some light now. We we're, can't see. We're in the TTFO Eastside Studios, by the way. A little different. <laughs> little, right. A little different vibe out here. It is. Got some nice dogs barking Good in the bunch. background. Dog's not in the house. The most beautiful sounding birds in all of Los Angeles. Armand, right, you want to give us a little yeah, impression? Yeah, what do they sound like? Well, think of the Dean scream. Basically, <laughs> literally exactly like the Dean scream. I don't remember the Dean scream. The, Could uh, you remind me? <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't want to cancel any potential presidential aspirations for myself, <laughs> so I'm not going to wow. do that. I was really hoping to get get no, that on the soundboard. No, no. That'll be how I play people off. I just play them. Just play the, the Dean Scream. I could play the Dean Scream. <laughs> that would be good. Yeah. Well, all right. Um, 
I think that's a pretty good signing off point, unless um, anybody wants to talk about how anything else that's really fucking bothering them, unless it's about me, in which case, please don't. All right, Armand, you have any plugs for us? Uh, I made a short film, a uh, dark character study, if you're into that sort of thing. It's called Small Arms, starring Tyler Young and Dominic DeVore. It is on YouTube. If you look for Small Arms, uh, it will come up. It is very beautiful and very cool, and it was the short of the week last year. That's right. Lori, nothing? Primaries are on March 3rd, 3rd. in California. Mm-hmm. I don't know Get when they are in New York. Get that ballot in. Get it in. Get it in, Laura Unless says. you're voting for anybody else. Yeah, then please lose lose your ballot. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you can... You should um, canvas. You want to canvas? I got a call from yeah, some yeah. Bernie person for um, Alhambra this week. Cool. I would do that. Or not I this week, for early February. I can't walk that much. You can walk a little, though. I can walk from a car. All right. We can just keep going back in that car, recharging. Stop whenever. Uh, I am Justin H. Kroll on Twitter and Instagram, and I just released a new short film called Shrines, and I think it's cool, and it's on my Twitter. It's cool. It's very cool. Oh, thanks, guys. Well, thank you both for being on the podcast. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.